Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning, good morning. It is a Monday morning. It is a beautiful Monday morning here in Indy. A little overcast, but gorgeous. It is Don't At Me right here on the Outkick Network. Doug Gottlieb is going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes. The great Scott Pollard from Kansas is going to join us. You know Scotty P from a lot of different places. We'll get into that. He's going to come on around 1030. But first, let's recap what was an unbelievable weekend in college basketball. Here's the dumbest analytic in basketball. The dumbest, maybe in sports, with, let me make sure I have this right, with 18.39 to go in the Duke-North Carolina game, 41-37 Duke, the analytics said there was an 81.5 probability that Duke wins a game. Now, I get it. I understand it. But it's a useless analytic, particularly with two blue bloods going at it like both of those were going at it. I mean, it couldn't be more useless because you know both teams were going to fight. You knew this team, this game, you could tell, was going to come down to something dramatic, and it did with Caleb Love knocking in a monster three, putting the lead from one to four, and away you went. You know what I mean? I mean, that's one of those things where once that bad boy got to four, you felt like, oh, man. I don't feel bad for Coach K, and I'll tell you why. I feel bad – for Mark Williams, the big kid from Duke, who not only had foul trouble, but he missed two big free throws late when Duke could have extended a lead, and that will haunt him. Shouldn't. Played terrific. One of the guys that got him there, but that will haunt him. But that's not what happened, or that's not what caused that game to be decided. What caused that game to be decided is, frankly, North Carolina wouldn't give up. I mean, North Carolina wouldn't quit. North Carolina got down. North Carolina had a bad break a little bit at halftime, which got a lot of better some money because it went, it was Duke minus two and a half at halftime and a three-point play by Roach uh, gave people to win. Anyway, long story short, it was a hell of a night. 70,000 people in the dome watching two teams go back and forth. Now, let me throw something out to you that is, I don't know. Look, people want to be smirched Folks, like, we can't wait to besmirch Coach K, all right? Coach K, in the Final Four, losing his last game is no disgrace. Getting to the Final Four is so difficult. Getting to the Final Four, I'll give you an example. Indiana University, my school's won five national championships. Okay, last one in 1987. That's five in the history of the school. NCAA started 1939 with the first NCAA championship. So let's just look at this a little bit before people say, well, he only got to the final four. No, there is no only got to the final four. You have five national championships. 1973, Indiana went to the final four. So that's six, right? 1992. Indiana went to the Final Four. That's seven. 2002, Indiana went to the Final Four. 
That's eight. That's eight. That's it. Unless I'm missing one somewhere. That's all she wrote. Five national championships and three other final fours. That's it. So in the history of one entire program, that's all. Purdue's been twice. You take Indiana and Purdue in their entire history. They've been to 10 final fours. That's it. 10. And here Coach K loses in the final four and people are saying, oh, he got beat in the final four. Here wasn't a success. Are you insane? Getting to the final four is impossible. It is so difficult. So the man lost in the final four. You know what? Salute to you, Coach K. Uh, the better team won. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? I had a better team won. It's the way it goes in sports. Tougher team, made plays. I don't know if they were tougher, but they made plays down the stretch. And Caleb Love did what Caleb Love does. You know, the three that he hit from the top of the key. Do you know that was over maybe the best defender in the country in Mark Williams? I mean, Williams was outstretched, man. I mean, he was outstretched. He wasn't just jackassing around putting a hand up. Look at the picture. He was up in the air trying to do things that a guy like Mark Williams can usually do against a guard. But you know what happened? The kid sacked the hell up and made a shot. That's it. That's what he did. So get mad, glad, angry, or sad. I ain't having it. Salute to Coach K. Salute. What the hell? And you know what? Props to Hubert Davis. Now, let me go into North Carolina. I I said this on Twitter, and I think it's got a million hits now because my friend Kirk Herbstreet uh, quote tweeted it. But I said, North Carolina coaches never make it about themselves. Now, people took that as a shot at Coach K or anybody. It wasn't a shot at anybody. It was literally a compliment to a operation that going back to Dean Smith through Bill Guthridge, through Matt Doherty, through Roy Williams, through now uh, Hubert Davis, North Carolina coaches always make it about the players. They always make it about the program. They always make it about others, always. You know, here in Indiana, we got a head coach that speaks in the third person. Mike Woodson going to Mike Woodson. If you want Mike Woodson, you got to fly Mike Woodson on a plane to get Mike Woodson. Duke, how much did we hear from Kay? Love me, Tour. Roy Williams just left. Hey, and to that crazy-ass Karen that accosted Roy Williams on the street, kiss my ass, you idiot, Kansas fan. Ah. But anyway... That's what Carolina people do. They always make it about others, and I love it. I don't like it. I love it. I think it's awesome. If I ever went back into coaching, I would be more like that than anything else. I think too often I hear these coaches, and it's me, I, 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 I. And you heard that out of Coach Schmidt. You heard that out of Krzyzewski. That's my only real complaint about Kay. He got that whole Bobby Knight thing where it's all about anger, and it's all about bitterness, and it's all about uh, me. It'll be like that. Man, Hubert Davis, he's just hanging out, coaching his ass off. And here's the other thing. What I liked about both of these programs, think about their assistants. They all played for their school. They all played for their school. No ego by North Carolina, and they all played for their school. That was cool. That was very, very cool. So now North Carolina goes into its 12th national championship game, only one behind UCLA, who's at 13th. 
and we'll get into breaking that game down in a moment. The other game, I try to tell you, when you lose your best player like Villanova did, uh, you know, that's hard when you're going in a national semifinal against a team playing as well as Kansas is. I mean, it's almost that simple. Now, I thought Remy Martin would have more of an impact. He did not. He only had three points. But when you don't have your best player, and you're going into a national semifinal. It's one thing to not have your best player. We got to go to Creighton or we got to go to Kansas State. But it's a national semifinal against a team in Kansas that's playing his brains out. I thought that really hurt him. But I thought what hurt him worse? David McCormick. Holy hell. I mean, David McCormick jumped up, man. I would always call it jumping up. He had 25 and 9. Now, the, the broadcast, ridiculous. The broadcast, well, we're going to start the second half going to David McCormick. No, you never go to David McCormick until you go to David McCormick, meaning you stand around, isolate, and try to throw it to David McCormick. No, you throw it to David McCormick when the opportunity to throw it to David McCormick is there, but you never try to establish David McCormick. And any idiot that tells you in tonight's game they're going to go right in and establish David McCormick hasn't watched basketball. It's like the broadcast crew had no idea that Villanova's zone, once they went below the foul line, becomes a man-to-man. I don't know what to tell you, but it, but it, man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Anyway, Obaji. Only hit like his first six shots. They came out on fire, ripping threes. You knew it wasn't going to last. But then Christian Braun, all he did was start knocking in two massive threes. Think he had a good night? I always think about this. You know, when you're a player and you have a great game, in a game like that, that's a good night, man. Hey, it doesn't matter if you sit in your room, if you go to dinner with your parents, if you go to a freaking bar. It don't matter. You do what Braun did, who had 10 points and hit two massive threes late. You do what that kid did, that's a good night. Like, Obaji, great night. But you almost, you know, he's the guy, right? McCormick, great night. But when you're a really good player, which is what Christian Braun is, and you do that in the biggest of moments, that's a good night. 
You can sit there, oh man, hang out and just, you'll never feel that good again. Now I'm telling you, people talk about it all the time. People get mad at me all the time because I say, look, being married is great. Having kids is great. Having a great job, awesome. Having adult means is fantastic. Unbelievable. But man, there ain't nothing like playing. There is nothing like sitting in that hotel room for those kids from Kansas, those kids from North Carolina, knowing you just won a big-ass game. Now, that lasts through the night. Next day you wake up, you're feeling unbelievable, but you got to start getting ready now for a championship game. And by right now, you've forgotten all about what happened on Saturday night, and you are rocking and rolling into preparation for this game. And I'm telling you, this game, I think, is going to be a classic. I think all four teams were terrific. I hate that Justin Moore was out for Villanova. I wished that they could have been at full strength, and let's see what the hell happened, but that's not what the gods have in store for us. Now we turn our attention to Armando Baycott. Now look, Armando Baycott, he did what guys used to do in basketball. Now if you've studied basketball at all, and you look back at basketball, there are some unbelievable numbers that have happened, right? I mean, let's think about it. Remember when Jim Beheim was on a week ago and I asked him about Julius Irving? Do you know what he said? Well, Julius had 37 rebounds against us. Huh? What? He had one now? He had 37 rebounds against us. 35 points, 37 rebounds. If you go through, like, Whatever, whatever school you got, you know, Dickie Hemrick, if you're, a, um, if you're a Wake Forest fan, Walt Bellamy, if you're an Indiana fan, if you look at the history of basketball, there's a big guy from your school that had like 8,622 rebounds in a game somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn. He's bogarting all the rebounds. Well, that's what Armando Baycott was like. And the reason I paid attention to it was because I bet Brady Manick was going to get over five and a half rebounds. He ended up with four. He had two in the first minute. But Baycott went for 21 rebounds. He was bogarting all the rebounds. Quit bogarting all the rebounds, Baycott. Costing us money. No, but it was spectacular. It was old school. It really was. It was old school I'm going to Bogard every rebound, and there ain't a damn thing you're going to do about it. 21 rebounds. It's a pretty good center matchup. You know, I, I would think Baycott's the better player. Uh, he had 21 rebounds. McCormick had 25 points. I don't know if McCormick's going to do that again, but you know what? He doesn't have to. He did it yesterday, or he did it Saturday. And that's pretty damn good. Doug Gottlieb coming up. Scott Pollard coming up. I love, I don't like, I love the women's NCAA Final Four. Is the basketball great? No. No. Of course not. People falling down, jump balls, shots. It doesn't matter to me. Does not matter to me even a little bit. What matters to me is the competition and the heart. The competition and the heart is awesome. The basketball is good. Don't get me wrong. But it ain't the prettiest thing in the world. But I'll tell you this, the competition and the heart is, 
I mean, big time. Not just a little. I mean, you think you want to win? I do. You think Kansas wants to win? I think they do. You think, do? yes, I think they all want to win. But nobody more so than South Carolina and Aaliyah Boston last night. And it was great. It wasn't kind of good. Nuh-uh. No. It was great. It was great, and Aaliyah Boston is fantastic. But Destiny Henderson, baby, here's what you want to do. Every player dreams of this. Now, follow me here. Every player. Every player dreams of playing a national championship game. Number one. Number two, playing your best basketball in that national championship game. Everybody wants to play their best in that game. You're a senior. She's listed as a senior. I don't know how many years she has. Hell, in the world of college basketball, she may have four years left. I don't know, and I don't care. She's listed as a senior. And when I watched Destiny Henderson play, I saw so much heart, toughness, skill out of Destiny Henderson. I don't know. Was she going to play in the WNBA? I, I, look, I, don't, I can't name you 10 players. I don't know, and I don't care. I hope she does if that's what she wants to do. But I know this. 26 points, a career high, controlled the entire game. Destiny Henderson went out the way every single basketball, football, baseball, hockey, lacrosse, bowler, I don't care, wants to go out, period. Playing your best game, your career high. And it wasn't just points, on the biggest stage, which is for a national championship. And I got to tell you something else. In a world, and I'm sure Aaliyah Boston gets NIL money, and I'm sure she is a modern athlete, but I love that woman. I would follow that woman. She is all heart. She seems to be all teammate. She seems to be all team. She plays really hard. She's emotional. Nothing great is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And Aaliyah Boston for South Carolina is awesome. I don't mean kind of awesome. I mean awesome. When she's talking to Holly Rowe, she's engaged with Holly Rowe. She's looking at her. She's talking about what you can tell. She's talking from her heart. She's not one of those athletes that looks around and goes, well, you know, I think we're going to play really hard and we got to get blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Give me more Aaliyah Boston. I love Aaliyah Boston, man. I do. I think she's awesome. I don't know. I hope she has another year in college. Last year, apparently, I remember seeing it, but I don't have that great a memory where I can remember exactly what happened in men's Final Four, women's Final Four. I used to, but I don't anymore. But apparently, the biggest picture from last year was Aaliyah Boston crying tears of sadness for getting beat. The biggest picture from this year is Aaliyah Boston crying tears of happiness, of joy. Now, here's the deal. I follow Aaliyah Boston and Destiny Henderson. Sometimes I would walk into a practice and watch a team that was supposed to be really good and go, yeah, they're going to fold in the end. And 90% of the time they did. Why? I watched the leadership. 
I remember sitting with Mike Tirico and telling him how Tubby Smith's going to get fired because his assistants are horse bleep carrying coffee out to pregame workouts. They got fired. But I watch Aaliyah Boston, I say this, I want her working for whatever company I'm working for. I mean, these frauds you see on TV now, screw that. Give me someone real. Give me Aaliyah Boston. Give me Destiny Henderson. Man, give me Don Staley. Don Staley, I said this last night, and I could see Don Staley being the first women's NBA head coach. Now, I know a lot of you are going to say Becky Hammonds, but then maybe she will. I don't know. But I could see Dawn Staley being that. She has the right personality, mentality. Maybe she'd be too hard on those soft-ass NBA uh, load management clowns. But I think she should be. I think she could be. And I would look at hiring her if I were an NBA owner. And if I were Dawn Staley, I ain't going to the WNBA. I got a better job. I don't need that. But I would certainly think about it. I think she would be awesome. I don't know what the hell her jacket was, but I like that too. So anyway... That's my take on that. I think the women's Final Four was fan-frickin-tastic. I think the toughness, the energy, oh, it's just great. Great. Not good. Not good, ladies and gentlemen. Great. Don't at me about it either. Because what I'm speaking to you is I'm speaking truths. Speaking of truths, Doug Gottlieb going to join us in about 10 minutes. I hope he was already here. Uh, Bill Self winning a Final Four has some of you agitated. I like Bill Self. I don't even know what cheating is. I Don't at me with it. LeBron not in the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. How do you feel about that? I don't like it. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like LeBron not being in the playoffs. I know a lot of you do. I know a lot of you like LeBron not being in the playoffs. Right now, four games ago, he's two games out, send, uh, even from the play-in game. They've lost six in a row. They got a mess. I don't give a damn about whether Anthony Davis is in the playoffs. I don't give a damn about whether or not Russell Westbrook is in the playoffs. I like Frank Vogel. I knew him when he was here in Indianapolis. So I like that. But I got to tell you, LeBron not being in the playoffs, I don't like it. No, I don't like it. I'm not big on it. I like watching stars. I, You know, that gritty, grindy, hey, we're real tough. That's great. But I like watching superstars, and I like watching somebody try, try to beat LeBron James four out of seven times over a two-week period. I do. Doug Gottlieb, you ready, big boy? I see he's got his coffee. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. He is ready to rock and roll. Let's talk some hoops, big boy. What would you think, North Carolina Duke? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Interesting parts to it, but the shot making, the the, I mean, look, that's what college basketball needed, right? That's the the sport needed that. I'm not going to say it saved the sport because I don't think the sport was dead, but I also don't think that it was. It's we're going to do the it's the greatest game of all time thing. Like, look, I was at the Final Four in Minneapolis, and two of those games were unbelievable. Um, 
but because you have the two names, because, you know, uh, it was Krzyzewski's last game, because it was the first time they met in the tournament, and then because of the, the play of the players, and the coaches let him go. Like, that's a big thing, right? There wasn't any, oh, 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 slow it down here. Let's just go. Go play hoop. It was it was great. It was uh, it was cool to watch and feel like you were kind of a part of something that was that was special and memorable. You know, I want to get into what you said about the coaches because you and I both know so many coaches, wait, whoa, 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 run three down or whatever. No, no, no. These guys put guys in position, gave them the basketball, and went and played. And you don't see that very often, particularly on that kind of stage. No, no. Um, you know, the, the trust in your players. And I also like, like, here's a little thing. You know, Hubert didn't sub until Baycott, in the second half, until Baycott went down. Like, that's the best. It's not the best if you're sixth man, but, like, I, I think a lot of these guys, they just sub because you're like, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, no. Those are my guys. I, I, I used to, um, people used to think I was cruel to Crean because I remember when Crean had that great team at Indiana and he had three pros and sometimes they're all on the bench at the same time. And my comment then is my comment now. Do you know why the starters are your starters? Because they're better than the other backup, than the other guys. So play <laughs> them as much as much as you possibly can. Like this is, this is basketball. So, uh, you know, I, I, but yes, it's the, it's the trust in your players. It's the, and the understanding of sometimes you can screw it up by overcoaching them, right? You don't want to make them think. And then there are some little things you can do on the fly. The last Big shot that Love hit. It's a very little thing, okay? But at the time, if you remember, Duke, um, because of foul trouble, right, they had they had been changing their lineups. And then at that time, I think Baycott had actually fouled out. So Baycott fouled out for Carolina to hit that last shot. Manic was actually not being guarded by Mark Williams. Uh, Mark Williams was guarding Leaky Black. And so at the very last second, Hubert's like, no, 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 no. Manic, you go to the corner. Leaky, you go set the ball screen. Now, look, you still have to hit a three-pointer over Mark Williams. But if you have Manic set the ball screen, they just switch. It doesn't happen. So there was a lot of coaching that took place, but it just wasn't the super control that some other coaches have, and it made for a much better watch. I, I want to go through one of the things with players. And – you know, Mark Williams misses a couple free throws. I feel bad for him. Manic shoots an air ball early. But you know what? Late, man, that dude ripped threes. He's got the quickest release in college basketball. Explain to people, like, it is not – players make it look easier than it is to come up in those big moments. Caleb Love did it against UCLA not once but twice, you know, took him from down three to tied, uh, tied to up three. And here, it's not as easy as what these guys are making it out I comple- to be. I, com- I completely agree. I completely agree. Brady Manick hit a three. He hit one where it was the quickest release I've, I've, I've seen, maybe outside of Steph Curry. But he hit one. Do you remember where his toes were inbounds and his heels right. were up? His heels were right. down. They're out of bounds. And I, I mean, I'm going to guess he meant to do that. But how do you do that? I, I, how, how do you do it? How do you do that? And then, you know, end of the game, here's another thing. 
Caleb loves just like holding the ball to get fouled and knock down a couple free throws. And I get it when you're getting buckets and you're a confident dude, but there are 70,000 people. No one sat down the entire game and you got a chance to end Mike Krzyzewski's career. And they're just, just, uh, that was, it's really impressive, really impressive. Now, part of it, and I had a great conversation one time with Steph Curry about this, about how much more confidence kids have in three-point shooting. And he's like, look, I've never been on a floor where there wasn't a three-point line, you know? And so it's a completely different way of thinking about it. Like, this is just what these kids have always done, you know? And I also think when you have Duke in North Carolina, and Manic isn't as much this because Manic, he was recruited by the Big 12, you know, when he went to OU. But most of those guys, like, if you're going to Carolina, you're going to Duke, you've played in the main court in every AAU tournament you've ever, you're not an ox gym guy, right? You're a main court guy. And so I understand that the magnitude of it and the importance of it is greater, but I do think there's a mentality there with so many of these guys, like, you know, Paolo Boncaro, like, man, he ain't played an auxiliary gym ever and he ain't never going to play an auxiliary gym. So <laughs> there is no, there is no fear of the magnitude of the moment to him. He's just out there hooping. And I thought also part of the way those guys coach, those guys take a bad shot, and Carolina took plenty of them. There's not the take them out, browbeat them, or whatever. There's just encouragement. So part of it's coaching. Part of it is these kids, and then the skill that they have is ridiculous. They're they're so these players are so talented. It's really fantastic to watch. It is. Hey, I want to talk about Baycott. Number one, you think he'll be healthy enough, and number two, this was Doug. I, I, every school has this guy. Like, every school has a guy that back in the day, like Indiana, it's Walt Bellamy. There's a guy, Dickie Hemrick, for Wake Forest. Every school has a guy that got, like, 38 <laughs> rebounds in a game. Like, you know, you look at you look at numbers, and it's like, oh, man, how'd that – that's what Baycott – Baycott was bogarting all the rebounds. I'm not sure I've seen anything like that. Like, nobody was even trying to get a rebound other than him. This was like – I don't know, Jabbar back in the day getting 28 and 28. You it know was what like, that's what, that's what the, that's, that's what she weighs like for, uh, for, for Kentucky this, this year as well. Right. It's, I hated rebounding. I still hate rebounding. I yell all my kids to rebound to box out or whatever when I coach him in AAU. But, uh, the guy was, the guy was a monster. And again, remember, it's the volume of possession. And, and you sit there and think about it for a second. Like, uh, Mark Williams is a pro and a tremendous player. And, and it should be pointed out that there was one rebound late that Baycott didn't get, didn't box out. Mark Williams tips it out and they hit a three on it. So he didn't get every single one. But remember, you're throwing, there were three different guys that were thrown at him during that game. Bay, uh, Mark Williams, Theo John, who almost fouled out in the first half, right? And then they put Ben Carroll on him. And Ben Carroll's a big old kid, right? 6'9", 250. So it's not just that he was able to come up with 21 boards. And then he missed like a four minute, a couple minute segment because of the ankle. But it's also the fact that he had to do it against three very, very talented players who are fighting him tooth and nail for every one of those boards. As for tonight, I mean, I got no idea. I, you know, you and I are probably lockstep in that in my time in basketball, generally what happens is you sprain an ankle, you can play that night on it. Then the next morning you wake up and now you find out what you got. He said there wasn't crazy swelling. It was just a little bit of swelling. It was a little bit sore. Uh, I think he'll be able to play. 
but I think this helps. It helps Dave McCormick a great deal in terms of evening out the matchup. Dave McCormick, I know he had that monster dunk. He hasn't done that ever in his career. Like he's a below the rim guy. He's, he's kind of the classic, you know, <laughs> old school, sawed off big guy, make your moves thing. And he was just in in the moment. Um, I think, you know, Armando Baycott's health is very much a determining factor as to who wins the national championship. I agree. I, I, I totally agree. Let's go to Kansas. I mean, you talk about a skill set. Obaji just comes out and he's ripping everything. David McCormick, as you said, I think they had the first 19 between a, between the two. And I don't think a lot of people saw maybe Obaji, but I don't think a lot of people saw that out of McCormick. But he was great the game before. He was terrific in the uh, Elite Eight. Terrific. Well, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I would say this. Um, I think Bill Self, they, they made shots. Okay, so you cannot in any way diminish the fact that you're always a much better coach when that ball goes in the basket, right? It's amazing. That great coaching. But I, I do think that Bill did like three or four things uh, in getting ready for that game that allowed them to be so thoroughly dominant early on. And, and it was also helped by the fact that Justin Moore didn't play for Villanova. So the first thing is offensively, their spacing was perfect. And within their offense, you know, Villanova, they overhelp, right? They overhelp. They, they, they basically play a very, very physical form of pack line defense. And what does that mean to somebody? That means when the ball is up top and you're looking high to low to get the ball to McCormick, or especially when you're looking from a wing, you know, from the slot to the wing on like the right side of the court. Villanova, their entire defense is in the lane. So the weak side corner is open, but you have to practice that pass. You have to be crisp with it. You have to give it a look inside so the defense overhelps, and then you got to hit the corner quickly. And then when the guy hits the shot, if you look at three of the four threes that he hit in the first half, they were corner threes on the weak side. So they used Villanova's defense as Villanova's weakness they they scouted it and perfectly hit the pass, perfectly hit the shot. It was execution. And then with McCormick, you know, Villanova was trying to figure out, all right, we got Dixon at the five. He's just he's just not big enough for, for McCormick. He's just not. McCormick's a big old boy in there. And when the help wasn't there, then he was able to go to work. Now, conversely, the defensive end, um, all year long, all year long, uh, Kansas – I don't believe they doubled post to post all year. And in the only in the, the first four or five minutes, they doubled post to post and they doubled all these ball screens. And I actually thought I might be crazy that Dewan Harris was the player of the game because Dewan Harris completely uh, dismembered the greatness that is Colin Gillespie for most of that game. Gillespie couldn't get the ball. He denied him the ball full court. He denied the ball in the half court. He hounded him everywhere. And then Dewan Harris is not, he's a shooter slightly better than me, which is I'm the worst. Okay. He's not a good shooter <laughs> and they dared him and he hit three wide open threes and he made him pay. So there's a couple things there where, you know, I thought their defensive game plan in doubling ball screens and doubling post to post early was great. And I thought it, it, it really rattled Villanova their spacing, their understanding of how Villanova plays defensively. And then they, they cut off the head of the snake. They said, Hey, 
lot of guys can beat us. Colin Gillespie is not beating us today. And Dewan Harris took that thing personally. So, yes, they made a ton of shots. And Nova somehow got it to seven. And that ball was in and out. I think they got it to six once. And they missed one in and out. But the truth is, that thing was over from the jump ball. And I do think that Bill was a big, big part of the reason why. I'm going to... I'm going to go a different direction with you. Um, I had Scott Pollard, former Kansas and NBA guy on, and he, he, like most guys that played for Roy Williams or played at Kansas, really studies it. And he, he, he showed me something about David McCormick and the, the, um, the inconsistency of David McCormick defensively. So I'm studying this. I'm not studying. I'm watching it during the game. And I got to tell you, Doug, David McCormick was brilliant amazing. defensively. He was amazing. I mean, he was brilliant. He, well, that's he, why. You, he you know, really you was. Know, the Miami game, I, 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 you know, you ahead. said how great he played in the Miami game. He only played five minutes in the second half. He, he, right. he played right. an unbelievable five minutes. They went minutes, to him early. Right. It was because they were. Yes. They were, yes. That's exactly they were like, right. They were going to feed him till he burps, and he's going to give us everything he has. And then they're like, all right, he's bad defensively. Let's get him out. Let's win the game. And they outscored Miami 47-15, right? So in order for, to, for them to win that game, remember, this is a big, old, kind of plotting big guy. And to play Villanova, um, there were times in which, you know, they go small and you got to defend the perimeter. They still went at him in the second half. And the reason Villanova got back in that game was they went small and they're like, we're going at Dave McCormick. And they were able to make him pay. But you're right. Like, um, I, thought, I thought he had great – I mean, that's a lot for a true center – to play against Villanova yeah. is really, really hard because they make you move all over the court. Yeah, he had to play a lot of different places, man. And I'm watching him like, oh, man, he shut off that drive. They kick it to the next. And he got beat on it a few times because the left-handed kid started knocking yeah. in threes, obviously. But, man, I'll tell you what, he, he, he was where he was supposed to be. And, again, to your point, to ask him to get down here on the left block – and then recover to the top of the key to a shooter. Amen. You make it. God bless you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I he I thought though, I I I was, and again, I, I always thought he was good. Yeah, I, I thought he was good, but watching that game, I thought, whoa, God dang it. He's gonna have to be tonight. I mean, look, let's be honest, Baycott or no Baycott, Baycott's gonna play, but you can't all right, Doug, you can say this guy's important, that guy's important, all that stuff. But the level that these, these two teams are playing at, I, I believe everybody has to be good tonight. You, like, I didn't think Wendell Moore was very good, and he made a three late. But I didn't think he was very good through the course of the game for Duke. And, and I think J- that Jimmy Roach Duke. as well. Jimmy Roach um, got a no, no show in that game. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, if they were, maybe they instead of a seven-point lead, they have a 14-point lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? But to me – you keep, everybody's got to be good tonight because the level is so high. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I, I, it's, it's the, the, the chess match is interesting too, because I do wonder if they can move Manic some to the five, if he can defend McCormick, because there's no way McCormick, I mean, he's, he'll, he'll stretch you out to 25 feet. You know, that's the one thing uh, Hubert has potentially in his bag. Um, I don't know who he play, I don't know who he brings in off the bench is the problem. Um but uh, because, you know, Puff Johnson, that's the guy that you help off of, right? That's the guy that you put McCormick on. But if, if, if there's a way in which Huber can go small, I think that's a possibility. But you're right. No, you're going to have to um, – you're going to have to – you have to play well within your role, right? Dewan Harris is going to have to be a great defender and facilitator. And if he's left wide open, 
eventually make a shot, right? And then you look and 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 Remy Martin. I thought I thought Remy did not play particularly well. Uh, I thought he hurt them more than helped them. You go back, you know, two nights ago, just because Villanova they were confusing him with where they in zone, where they were man, they were in zone for two passes and then into man to man and matching up. And he had no idea what he's looking at. And so there's several times when he dribbles the ball to the floor and he's looking over at Bill, like, what are we in? You know, he got, I got, I got nothing like, bro, you like, you, it's your job. You got to know what we're in. So I think they need, you know, they got to figure out a way to get Remy going a little bit. Um, and then for Carolina, like, Yes. When you only play five or six, those five or six better play good ball. This will be a really high level game though. That's the, the part about this game, which I think adds to your point is Kansas wasn't this good the whole year. They just weren't. Okay. Carolina wasn't this good. Hell most of the year, but both of them recently have shown what their a game is like, you know? And I mean, Kansas is second half against Miami. And the last two halves of basketball have been, this is, this is their top level. And if they can maintain at that magic level and then Carolina and what they've been able to do recently is playing at that magic level. And it's a reasonable expectation that, yeah, there's going to be some crazy shots made tonight. And the guys that maintaining that level are the ones that are going to have the, have the, have the, the net around their neck. You're the perfect guy to ask this. Now I think I did three or four, Oklahoma games when Manic was at Oklahoma. And I thought he was very good. I thought as a freshman, he was very good on a good team and all that kind of stuff. Did you, like, I'm, I'm not talking about the, sh- yeah, I am talking about the shot making. I'm talking, did you yes. see this toughness uh, out of this kid? Did you? I don't know about the toughness. I mean, I thought the most impressive, That's I thought the I'm most saying. impressive thing he did. Okay, this is where you're like fifth year senior smart kid. First half, he kind of let Paolo go a couple of times on drives to not foul him, you know? And it was like yep. that, that you only learn from experience and you also only learn from trusting that your coach isn't going to go crazy. Be like, could be, you know, why did you stop that drive? Like look, coach, if I get in his way, they call it, they were calling it really tight the first half, right? That's why they picked up all those fouls and the intelligence of a kid to understand like, Hey, I'm let him go in the first half so that late in the game, I still have a couple if I get if I get beat, if I'm tired, just fouling. Um, but he blocked a couple shots. I thought he used his footwork and forced Paolo in a couple of places that he didn't want to be. Um, and then I thought the intelligence of not fouling early, so he had a couple in his back pocket, so he could just play. I thought those were huge keys. The shot making and the toughness that shot making. I don't know if people remember he was he was the center for Trey Young. Trey Young's freshman year. When Trey Young led the country in scoring and assists, the reason they were able to open up the lane for Trey at Oklahoma was Brady Manick was his starting center. So I, the shot making I've always seen. Um, I don't know if that level of it, you know, dude in his face, heels off the line in the <laughs> final four. I hadn't seen that. But, yes, he's a spectacular shooter. It was all the other things which on some level – had to be improved in order to play at this level. And I think he's clearly improved them. That's, that's what playing for, you know, playing for Lon Kruger and now playing for Hubert Davis, like all of these lessons learned. And then he's obviously learned through time and games to not foul and understanding footwork and watching tape and 
knowing that Paulo is going to catch that ball. I mean, how many times they run the same little set to isolate Paulo Bancaro, and it wasn't a bucket every time. It, it felt like it should be because he's so talented, right. but it really wasn't. And I thought Brady was a, a big part of the reason why. I agree. I, again, I, the mental toughness to go let, – let, let's be honest, man. He Oklahoma – I remember Calvin Sampson telling me, you did this. You went from a football school to a big-time <laughs> basketball environment – and I always think that's great. Like, he went from a football school. And Oklahoma's a really good basketball program. But Calvin used to tell me, man, it's great. You Nobody really pays right. attention until after the BCS football playoff. And to a big-time pressure cooker, I always respect that. I, I don't think, I don't think people me, understand what that, what that means, okay, in that um, we used to have an expression, you fart on campus, they smell in the office, right? And the idea was, like, everything matters now. Everything matters. I'm a Notre, I'm a Notre right. Dame, and we and and Notre Dame at the time was the top uh, one of the ten winningest programs in college basketball history. But at the time, Lou Holtz was at Notre Dame, and that's what mattered. Whereas when you go to North Carolina, when they lost to Pittsburgh, it was why do we hire Hubert Davis? All these guys stink. They're soft. Get rid of them bring in five new ones next year, right? That was, that was the feeling. And you feel that when you're a, when you're a kid, even if you're a grown up, like Brady's a grown up at, at his age and his experience, you know, when you're in Oklahoma and you dump a game, you lose a game, it's, ah, they lost the game. When you're in North Carolina and you lose a game to, to Pittsburgh, it's the end of the world. And how you handle that, <laughs> how you handle that is completely different. Um, you know, like it, it just it everything does matter at a basketball school when things are going good everything is you know uh inflated greatly and when things are going bad it's inflated greatly as well that's what you sign up for but you think you know what you're getting into till you actually get into it and then for some guys it doesn't work some guys don't like that some guys that level of attention that they don't desire It's uh, I, I was having this conversation with my wife and my stepson yesterday because uh, they were there was a kid at Indiana got yeah. arrested. And to your point about if you fart, the office hears it. Coach Knight used to say, I don't give a damn what you do off the court, but don't be in bars between October 15th and the end of the season. I was there four years. I never went, I never set foot in a bar during the basketball season because I swear to God, we all thought that Bob Knight would know we were oh, in. And I like to go out. Like, you can go oh, to a party. Don't. You know, I, I swear. Yeah, I know. It, it was like I was so scared. I got a good one. Um, uh, shoot. My senior year, okay, we had six scholarship seniors, I think seven or eight overall. And coach calls us in. He's like, man, why don't you think about something? I think y'all should have a rule, stay out of the bars. I want you to think about it. Maybe talk about it amongst yourself. Think about it, you know. So we have practice later on that, that afternoon or some workout, and we're in the locker room. Coach comes in and announces to the whole team that the seniors decided that we're going to stay out of the bars this year. And we're like, hold up. We didn't decide anything. <laughs> Nothing. None of this was decided. <laughs> you asked us early, like an hour earlier to think about it. And we were like, thought about it. No, thanks, coach. 
right? And then you came down. But anyway, so, <laughs> so of course, we have uh, we had a big guy. His name is Jason Keep. Now, Jason Keep is now a tattoo artist in Arizona. He was a junior college transfer from college in northern Idaho, and he had a tattoo. He's famous for having a tattoo, Big Daddy, D-A-D-Y. He claims it wasn't misspelled. Come on. Anyway, like that dude goes out and gets in a bar fight that night with an Oklahoma State sweatshirt on, plus he's seven <laughs> feet tall, 270 pounds, and he looks like America History X. Anyway, so we all have to run for him. But, yes, I, I do know the idea of the coach saying we're all going to we're all going to stay out of the stay out of the bars. Heck, we had a guy, we had a kid, um, who uh, he actually passed away. He had, he was seventy tall, seven two, four hundred pounds. Passed away, you know, like five years ago. But coach was trying. It was coach's project trying to get him to lose weight, and he told every fast food place to not sell him cheeseburger. He could only buy a turkey sandwich from the Gittin Gallup right next to his his dorm room, and. Like, like you're saying, like coaches are powerful enough in a college town to go and tell the guys at Brahms, hey, man, you can't sell that guy a cheeseburger. Like, that's really how it is. Really. That's how when you're a big time basketball coach, a big time program, all every everything matters and everybody wants to help in any way they can. And but when things go bad, they, they everybody makes you feel like the worst human being on earth because things have gone bad. It does. It, and now, I mean, you and I didn't play in an era of social media, but to your yeah, point, I remember watching – I remember North Carolina got beat. It was, it was 30 when I was watching against Wake Forest. I mean, I mean, Forbes' team just killed them at Wake. And then a week or two later, they get crushed by Pittsburgh. And to your point, man, wrong guy. Why are we hiring Hubert? What the hell are we doing? Hey, I'm not saying that wouldn't happen at Oklahoma. It probably would, but it would be like this big, right? I mean, this is it, – it, it's just hard for people to comprehend. That's why I always respected what you did. Like, people that go from like, – That's what I wanted, right, I'll give that, you one. That's, that, is what right, I, that is what I wanted. Right. That's, that's what I wanted. And, and... – See, see I, I'll, give, I'll give you this. Like, all right, I understand – and this isn't fair to Garrison Brooks, but – I, I understand you go play for your dad, okay? I get that. But, man, like, if you go from North Carolina, where you're an all-league player, and you want to go to Mississippi State, Ben Holland's a great coach. I know it's a great league, but it ain't the same, right? It ain't. I mean, so anyway, I just – you and, and, and things like what Manic did, I just think are great. I, I, I would not – I, I guess that's my, my bigger Manic, point. But I, I, I appreciate it. But it is – like, look, it's one of those things you got to tell kids all the time, and especially now with the transfer portal, right? Where kid, they all want to go. Uh, I want to go where it matters. I want to go where it matters, right? Okay, that's cool. Just so you know, all those little things that you do off the court, that there people are going to know. It's going to matter, and if things don't go well, you know they're going to get the next guy in here in a heartbeat because it matters, and you know. And, and coaches know they have to win quicker because it all matters. You know, there, there are schools in which they're like, eh, we got a basketball team. It's good. Just don't get in trouble. Don't rattle anybody. Make the tournament every now and again. But there are schools in which there are heightened expectations. Those heightened expectations aren't just based upon whether or not you win or lose games. It's part of it. It's based upon the, the totality of it. And I, I, there's a lot of kids that don't, don't understand. Honestly, it's the reason that so many of these high level players can't play in minor leagues 
or struggle to play overseas is that reason. Okay? Because when you're at Carolina, when you're at Duke, when you're at Kansas, okay? when you're at Villanova, all these, every game, every game on the road is the biggest game for that team. And now you go overseas and you play, when you play any country you play in, there's going to be games when nobody's there, right? Or when you play in the minor leagues, do. I mean, all, you go to play in the <laughs> G League, and I've told people this all the time. And I had a tweet which has been picked up, uh, you know, a couple thousand times, which is, which some imagine somebody choosing the G League Ignite over playing in the Final Four or the chance to play in the Final Four. And so I, I want people to understand what, what I mean by that, okay? Minor league basketball has better players than college basketball. Let me repeat that. Minor league basketball has far better players than college basketball. But nobody cares. Can anyone name any record of any team in the G League? Can you quote me any stats in the G League? Can you quote me any game in the G League? Of course not. Okay. And again, I'm not saying that the basketball is bad. It's not. Okay? But you're you're on a team that zero people actually want to be on. No one, no one has pride. There's no letter jacket. For it. There's no rings for it. There's no nothing. The only goal for every coach, every broadcaster, front office player is to be on the other team not this team in college basketball (laughs) it is all about the team and what you achieve and everything matters and the practice at the final four has forty thousand people whereas you're lucky to get 400 people at a g league game and if that doesn't matter to you that's fine but to the rest of us like look why'd you play basketball because it's fun, because all the girls like basketball players, because you play in front of big crowds in big arenas and you wear the cool shoes and you wear the argyle down the side and you look cooler than everybody else. Everybody wants to be you. Other students are paying money to see you play. So, yes, I <laughs> agree with you. That's what a basketball school is like. That's what's special about this tournament. And if you watch Saturday night and, you, and you're, a, you're a high school kid and you're like, hmm. I would rather do overtime elite and make a little bit extra money and no one actually know what I do and playing meaningless games. Then I have a hard time saying, I want you on my basketball team because I want dudes that want to play in front of 70,000 people and make shots and be on one shiny moment. I agree, man. I look, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Last thing who wins tonight. What happens tonight? I think Kansas wins. Um, you know, it's interesting. There is an NBA parallel to it. I was talking with a, a member. It was funny. I heard you during the break talking about LeBron. Uh, I was talking with, with a Laker, a, a bench playing Laker. And he was like, man, we played the Bucks like two months ago. I don't, I don't think they're going to be that good in the playoffs because they're peaking. You know, some of it is about peaking, how they're playing. I made the mistake. I picked Kentucky to win this thing. Cause I saw them rub Kansas's nose in it. They were up 18 at the half and it might as well have been, you want to talk about a basketball school? Like those Kansas fans thought they had the worst team ever at halftime of that game. Cause Kentucky was just running them out of their own gym. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, I think Kentucky might've peaked too soon. I, you know, I've never been huge on this Kansas team in terms of their roster of talent, but man, they're playing well. 
and Christian Brown didn't even play well until he hit a couple shots late in the game. I think he relaxes and he's better. I don't think Ochai Abaji is going to be as, I mean, how could he be as good as you were the other night? But if, if Brown plays and uh, Ochai plays and McCormick plays and they get anything a little bit more out of Remy. Yeah. I, I, I just look, I love how Carolina's played. And I do think that there's, and I know you got to go. There's um. No, I got okay. This is important. Do people understand what Hubert Davis has done? Okay, North Carolina under Roy Williams, they played the same way essentially his entire career. Okay, and how they played is the Carolina way, right? Second, the the best. I'm there, the best transition team in the country. But they ran the same secondary break. They were in the same offensive sets. They played the same defensive style, the same, the same, everything. Like I can tell you, here, here's a little one. He played against Roy Williams. First time out of each half, he's going to trap. He's either going to run at the dribbler, okay, which means you're dribbling the ball. Somebody comes up and they put two on the ball. Or they're going to trap the first pass. How do I know that? Well, because I played against him four times. And all four times he did it, right? And, you know, why we do that? Because he does it every time, right? He subs a lot of guys, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Hubert Davis is not playing anything like how North Carolina play. Nothing. They're just going high ball screen, couple quick sets, playing, you know, kind of freelance. They're not running passing game. So to, to, to transform any program has to be difficult. To transform North Carolina, North Carolina – like, dude, Matt Doherty, all he did was change secretaries and they wanted him gone that second. <laughs> These are all true stories, right? So Hubert. That's true. 100%. Hubert, has, Hubert has changed completely the way they played. And that's that's what took so that's why it was so hard. But I, I do think Bill's really good. He's incredibly pragmatic in he's not tied to one style of defense. I think Kansas ends up winning this game. I do think Baycott's ankle. And I, I wonder how much how much Carolina has in the tank, man, because uh, that was a game and a half, plus it was the late game. Plus, you know this, you get done playing a game like that, you go back to your room, good luck sleeping. How do you sleep? Oh. And and right. as much as we want to say, like, well, they had a day off, and then they – no, they didn't. Then they had to go back to the gym. Then they had to watch film. Then they had to do media, right? There's no mental, emotional day off. Um, I think Kansas wins. It's a close game. I do think fatigue plays a factor, maybe in some of the shot making for North Carolina, some of the decision making for North Carolina and Kansas wins mm, five to eight points. Yeah. You know, you make such a great point, Doug, I'm telling you in 1984 in the Omni in Atlanta playing against North Carolina, at the first timeout of the second half, Knight says they're going to yep. trap. Uh, because I end up getting a layup with nobody around me. Now, I'm, I, and the box set, you know, the screen-to-screener action to get the ball to the top of the key. Uh, it's, right? it's called shuffle. I mean, it, it's Carolina, it, 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 Carolina shuffle it, offense. It's just right. And they go box set, and then they have just, and they have they have a counter yeah. to it. The counter, you fake the pass. Then they take a dribble, reverse uh, pivot, back door, right? It's the same throw, shit. Um, excuse me, it's yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah. And and he, yeah. Came, and he was like, that stuff is great. We're going to do it a different way. We're going to do it a different yeah. way. 
I didn't even think about I, I didn't I didn't think about what you just said, but you're so right because when you played against Roy or you played against Dean or you played against Guthridge or whatever, a secondary break, reverse, upscreen, yeah. two-step in. You know, you, I could do I could walk as a scout playing against Kansas a number of times, I could walk through their whole thing right here's now. What, here's what, here's what, but here's you're right. amazing about it. Humor, so people, yeah. people are gonna think that I'm killing North Carolina and Roy Williams for style. Um we, no. we ran their secondary. We ran their secondary. Everybody we did. stole what they did and did yes. it better than them. And, matter, and, and it's one of those <laughs> things where you're playing against Carolina and, and you know, they had a little, they have a little Paul Pierce set where they'd run the upscreen and then they'd upscreen the upscreener and slide Pierce into the strong side post, whatever. And so we stole that. We used it for Desmond Mason. And I'll never forget, like, we're playing against them one time and we're like, no, nah, man, you got to scream one more time. We're like telling that one of their young guys what they're supposed to do because right. everybody knows what they're going to do. Now, look, there's no real secret to it. Like for Roy, like, Hey, they just, they played hard. They play, play hard, play together, share the ball, get out and run. And they had better players than everybody else. Right. So, I mean, when you got dudes, you let them play. I'm not being critical. I'm just pointing out that they had done things one way and Hubert sat there in his way of, and I, he's not a boat rattler, but when he finally got his chance, he's like, you know, I might want to do it a little bit a different way. Um, and I also think that there's 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 something that should be uh, talked about. Um, Hubert is not only a wonderful man and human being, he's a tenacious competitor. And I think we all compete in different ways. Like you and me, we're a little bit, you know, we're a little bit grimier, right? We, we you know, we we wear our emotions a lot more on our sleeves. You can tell when we're ticked. You can tell when we're happy. Whereas Hubert is much more on a level plane. But did you see the flop sweat he had working the other night? Right? Like, yes. Don't confuse, don't confuse the humanity of a Hubert Davis with the competitiveness of a Hubert Davis. So I do think his team, his team uh, t- takes a, a ton of that. But I would also point out that like Bill Self, same kind of way. Right. Bill Self is a tough ass dude. He gets those guys to play at a magic level. He's kind of sarcastic with them. Um, and he's a he's an amazing coach because we used to again, we're at Oklahoma State. They're at Tulsa. We're like, man, we got way better players than they do. And the reason we didn't play him during my time there was because he whooped our ass before I got there. Coach's like, I ain't playing Tulsa again. <laughs> Hell no. Coach came up with some terrible excuse. <laughs> I don't like to schedule assistant coaches like former assistant coach is like come on man you don't like to schedule tulsa because Tulsa's really damn good and if you lose to tulsa <laughs> it looks a lot worse than losing to a big 12 team even though they're better than most big 12 teams so uh i i have an immense amount of respect hey, for both go ahead, i'm sorry I, I, okay. last thing and i'm keeping you way too long but this is a lot of fun uh, I'll, I'll go as long as you want i don't care but um you know indiana and purdue have been in the Final Four a combined total of 10 times in their yeah. history. So I'm hearing people say, uh, well, you know, Coach K, he lost in the Final Four, disappointing season. Bullshit. Getting to a Final Four is a great yeah. season, at least in my yeah. opinion. Thoughts on Coach K, the way this ended, the whole thing? Uh, well, first, anybody who says losing the Final Four is disappointing, you have volunteered yourself for me to delete anything you say in terms of the sport of basketball as reputable, right? It's just, 
You become yeah. Charlie Brown's yeah. teacher to me. Coach <laughs> Gate, like, I just, sorry. It's the same thing, honestly. If you win your league and you get upset in the NCAA tournament, like, you still had a great year. I, I know that, I know that you, people right. find that hard to believe um, and that not all these league schedules are even, whatever, but you win your league, you had a great year. Okay. I don't think if you win your conference tournament, you had a great year. Um, but if you get to a Final Four, and you're Duke, I don't know, like, that's a, an unbelievable achievement. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I don't think, that, does it mean a great year? No, but you had a, you had a damn good season. Um, how it ended. I mean, to lose to North Carolina twice. Did I lose, Doug? That's crazy. Hey, that's, did I lose, Doug? It, I mean, to lose to North Carolina on your last game at Cameron is nuts. I can understand it. You know, um, because I remember we lost our last game in the old Gallagher Arena before they redid it. And, you know, I, I wasn't we weren't distracted. That's not why we lost. But I do know that everything is different leading up to that game. Still to lose that one and then play him again three weeks later or four weeks later and lose to him again. in the that's that's probably it's it's a really disappointing ending to an unbelievable career. Unbelievable. You know, I. Uh, can we find fault and flaws with parts of uh, of Duke's story over the last 40 years? Of course. Of course. I've yet to find a perfect story. I mean, look, you played for and coached with arguably the greatest pure basketball coach that has ever been on the side. But as we both know, he is far from a perfect man. And he, there are many flaws, even when you guys are trying to do things the right way at Indiana and when he's at Texas Tech, right? So, we're not, they're not perfect people. There's no perfect stories. And if you think Mike Krzyzewski is perfect, like he's not, I had people say like, wow, what's he doing? He's calling a timeout with a minute nine to go or minute 19 to go. They're up, up one. They hit a three calls his last timeout. Of course he blew it. Like, okay, well that guy's coached for 40 years and he's on the sideline and he wanted to call a timeout to set up his defense and get Mark Williams in the game. And you can't sub on the fly. This is not hockey. Yeah, you can't fly switch. It doesn't work. Hey, so you can't sub on the fly. So, uh, and I'm and I'm guessing that when he's sitting there watching his team, they're exhausted. And he probably thought to himself, "There's a minute 19 to go in this game. I get Mark Williams in. We get one stop. We win the game. So you can bury me with the timeout, or I can save it and not use it, or I can use it now. Right? So he used it now. It's like the the Theo John thing." Like, well, he left Theo John and Theo John got, got four percent. Like, okay, you get five, you know, you get, you get five. And, and, and as much as having Theo, you would love to have Theo John more in the second half or whatever, like they were calling it super tight. Maybe he could have gone to Paulo as the five and gone small earlier. He did it later in the game and it took Kansas like four possessions to adjust, but like the guy knows what he's doing. Sharp fella didn't coach a terrible game. Um, I guess you could have gone to Paulo more, but the problem with going to Paulo every single time down the court is now the other guys kind of check out on you. And when they check out on you in offense, they check out on you on defense. So you got to get that thing moving a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, he's, he, the, 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 here's the Duke story. Okay? If you ask me, and I played against Duke once in the NCAA tournament and I've watched them for years. That dude gets them to play harder 
than they thought they could possibly. Those, they played freaking hard. Now there's different levels of it, different teams connected more. And this team, you know, some because of youth, some because they had some bad habits. They weren't particularly good defensively. They were a little bit like Roy's Carolina teams where it wasn't until like March and they decided to start playing defense. Um, he let guys play offensively. There wasn't a lot of ornate sets. Uh, I do think he, he got with, he was always with the times in terms of how guys like to play. And then I think he just got him to play at an incredible level of intensity and he got them to believe in themselves and believe in each other and believe in the program. And that's what this thing's about. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be critical of a guy that he coached, he won 1200 and games and change. Like, and he's lost like 300 and something games. <laughs> I, 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 I like to think I, I have slightly above average intelligence, but if you say, if you want to be critical of Mike Krzyzewski as a coach, you're an idiot. You're, you're just an idiot. He's not perfect. There are flaws. There are things in which I think we, as the media, we tried to shy away from or whatever. Doesn't make him a, he was a great coach and great for the game. And the sport is absolutely positively going to miss him on the sideline. And I think the number one challenge to John Shire is going to be, will he get any calls like the old man did? Cause it feels like the next couple of years, Duke's going to be on the bad side of a whistle because they were on the good side of a whistle. But like, I, the, the, our sport needed him and needed that game because it hasn't been in the greatest place. And I'm still not convinced it's in the greatest place. It just doesn't feel that way because of how close we are to North Carolina Duke and what is an all-timer Final Four game. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, I kept you long. Thank you so much, my friend. Did Anytime, I? Anytime, brother. I don't Hold know what on. happened to our audio, but thanks, man. Anytime, you're the best. Thanks. That's Doug Gottlieb. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. All right. That was unbelievable. That was terrific. That was Gottlieb at his best. That might be the best basketball interview you ever hear, certainly you ever hear this week. All right. We're going to start a new segment, ladies and gentlemen. Life Lessons with Double D. Now, those of you that listen to my radio show understand that we talk about a lot more than just sports. I'm going to get into with Scott Pollitt coming up in about, oh, I don't know, uh, 20 minutes, the former Kansas and NBA star. We're going to get in with Scott live from the beach in Cancun, by the way. But I got to help you parents out. I'm going to give you a second here. Go get your friends. Go ask them. Say, hey, look, let's get going here. I'm not messing around. Let's keep tweeting from the old outkick thing. But here's the deal. Life lessons with Double D. We're all parents. In fact, one day I was sitting there when my son was born, and um, I don't know, I was just kind of talking about my son. And an assistant coach friend of mine, Ron Felling, looked at me, and he said, hey, Dan, we all got kids too. 
That hit me. Interesting. We all got kids too, which means, hey, Dan, shut the hell up talking about your kid. We all got kids. Don't give a damn if your kid burped. Don't give a damn if your kid crapped. Don't give a damn if you changed a diaper. Don't give a damn. We all got kids too. It's freaking genius. It solved all of my problems that I might have moving forward about being a jackass parent, all right? It solved them all, all. We all got kids too. Nobody wants to hear you talk about their kid unless they ask you about a kid. Now here's life lesson number one. Always ask about your friend's kids. That's number one. Don't necessarily ask about people that are overly aggressive about their kids' kids because you'll never not hear about their kid. Always ask about your friend's kids. Hey, man, how's Pete doing? Great. Hey, man, how's Allie doing? Hey, how's Tori doing? Hey, that's my brother's kids. Always ask about them. Don't be the self-centered jackass that only talks about your own kids. People don't want to hear about your kids. And if you are the person that has been asked about your kid, hey, Dan, how's Andrew doing? Oh, man, he's good. That's my son. Oh, he's good. He just got a job at Illinois State. That's exactly what I say. Well, you know, he, no, I no, there's no well, you know. No, don't be that guy. I'm trying to help you here. By the time this show is over in 25 years, when I'm 110 years old, you will learn more from me than you've ever learned from anybody. And the first thing is ask about your kids' kids and keep your answers short when asked about your kids. Second thing, don't ever be the jackass that talks bad about his wife. Oh, man, she's a pain in the ass. When you're with your buddies, oh, man, she's a pain in the ass. Oh, man, no. That just makes you look like a dumbass. Think about it. Think about right now. It's 10, 15 in the morning, 10, 12. Hopefully you're not in the middle of 17 beers unless you're Scott Pollard out on a lake, out on, uh, in Cancun, and it's tequila time, which I'm all for. But think about this. Think about... <laughs> Man, oh man, my the old ball and chain. Never call your wife the wife and never call your wife the ball and chain. Girlfriends are the same. Well, you know, the girlfriend's a pain in my ass. She's making, no, no, never. Be the guy that doesn't talk bad about your wife. I made a very famous person at ESPN, who you guys know, you watch and you love cry one day because she and I were talking. It was Valentine's Day. We were doing a game together and she's like, yeah, she was talking about her boyfriend. I go, you guys doing anything today? Valentine's Day? Did he do anything before you left? No. I go, really? Yeah. She goes, what'd you do? I was getting divorced. My wife was leaving me. She had had enough of all this, which is shocking by the way. But anyway, I'm like, yeah, I got Jackie a card, left her some flowers. She's like, you're getting divorced. I go, yeah, I know. I go, but if you're a guy, you're a guy. You can't just be a guy when you feel like being a guy. If you're a guy, you're a guy. And she's like, well, I'm not going to say the guy's name because he was a professional athlete. Well, he didn't 
do anything. I'm like, well, he's a jackass. Dump him. <laughs> well, we're going to wait till we get home. I'm like, that's great. He didn't send you a card at the hotel. There's no flowers showing up at the hotel. Nothing? No? No. Dump him. Dump his ass. I think I did this. I think I sent my wife flowers. I know I did. My current wife, Lee, the love of my life. I sent flowers to her at Arizona State when she was playing in the NCAA tournament. Now, she had a boyfriend at the time, and I'm not so sure the boyfriend wasn't there. I don't know. I never asked her. I'm going to ask her today. But, yeah, if you're going to be a dude, be a dude. But don't be the guy that sits at the bar. Don't be the guy that sits at the game. Don't be the guy that, you know, goes out to dinner and talks bad about his wife. And certainly don't be the jackass that makes jokes at your wife's expense when you're at dinner with friends. First off, it's not necessarily ever funny. And number two, you've embarrassed your wife. So don't do it. Like, you can come back from it, but it's hard. I always said this, all right? Here's what I've always said about abusive guys, guys that abuse women. What do you do then? Now think about it. What do you do then? You slap a woman. What do you do then? You scream, you yell, you berate. What do you do then? What's your move then? What do you do? Oh, I'm really sorry. It'll never happen again. You throw something. What do you do then? I've always asked that. I've always taught my players that. What do you do then? All right, what do you do then? Well, I was really pissed. Okay, what are you doing then? What are you doing now? What are you doing then? After that, all right, after you act like a jack, what are you doing? Well, I'm really sorry. Oh, okay. You, don't, you think she forgets? So don't be a freaking fool. It ain't funny, it ain't necessary, it's hurtful, and a lot of times you can recover, but many times you cannot recover. Do something nice for your loved one. I'm not saying every day. Don't be a jackass every day. Take out the garbage, do something decent, but once in a while. The other day, I'll give you an example. I'm not the greatest. But the other day, I'm on my way home, and on my way home, there's a Kroger, which is a supermarket. So I stop at the Kroger. I'm like, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm going to get a good bottle of wine. We drink wine. I like wine. I ain't mad at wine. Probably drink too much wine at night. But my friend Freddie Vienna said it loosens up your legs, and I want loose legs, so we drink wine. So I stop, and I get a Camus. Nice bottle of wine. And then I'm like, wait a second. All right, hold on. I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to get a dozen roses. Kroger has great flowers. You can get a dozen roses for like 15 bucks, and they're great. Seriously. And then it hit me. Hey, wait a second. She loves Summer Shandy by Leinenkugel. Well, what's right here? Summer Shandy by Leinenkugel. Duh. Doesn't have to be a diamond ring. Doesn't have to be a tennis bracelet. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. I got a $15 dozen roses. I got a $75 bottle of wine, which I never get. I mean, most of the wine that I buy, uh, by the way, I, I love Naomi. It's about 18 bucks. Naomi's really good. You can get whatever you want, but Naomi, I don't know what to tell you. It's fantastic. So I get a nice bottle of wine, flowers. 
Leinen Kugel. I walk into the house. I got the wine. I got the Leinen Kugel, and I walk in like a dork. And she's laughing. Like, you're the best. I got to know. I understand women. And women understand me. Uh, so do something nice. It ain't that big a deal. It doesn't have to be anything special. I don't do nearly enough. I should do more. And I think I'm going to do more now that I'm hearing myself talk. I'm a bit enthused by what I'm talking about. I'll tell you something else. You ready? Get yourself involved in one of her shows, you slap. That's right, you slap. Don't be just, well, you know, we got the game tonight. Uh, Yeah, you got the game tonight, so watch the damn game tonight. It's great. Watch the game. Have a great time watching the game. You should watch the game. You love watching the game. It's great to watch the game. Nobody's saying don't watch the game, but you know what I do? I get into a little bit of desperate house, not desperate housewives, real housewives. I'll tell you about the Gordas. Yeah, I will. I'll tell you about the Gordas today, tomorrow, the next day. Yeah, I will. And you should too. Yeah. Hey, Dockage, I'm tired of hearing about your wife every day. Well, tough. You know what I want to hear about? I want to hear about, yeah, what do you call your wife? Honey, sweetie? Don't call her nothing. Other than what I call my wife, uh, L-O-M-L. That's right. Love of my life. If you go with the ball and chain, you and I are throwing hands. I'm telling you right now, don't ball and chain it. I got to know. Yeah, me me, not Naomi. You're right, Connie. My fault. Connie, you're right. Me me. Connie knows. Connie Harris knows it's me me on the YouTube chat. It ain't Naomi. All I know, it's got a twist off, and it's got that rum bottle, and I love it. I got to find out from our guy, Sean Black, how his date went. He called in. He was dating a rugby player. Don't do this. I told him one of three things. One, tackle her. Two, get a rugby football. Show her you care. Three, get one of those rugby striped shirts. You know what I'm saying? Get one of those. Rob says, hey, uh, did D.D. get kicked out of the house? No, I didn't get kicked out of the house. Hell no. My house, damn it. I want to know. I want to know how the date went. Me owe me. Connie, thank you. Thank you for that. <clears throat> you guys that walk around, whoa, whoa, ball. My son tried the old ball and chain one time. My whole family bitch slapped him. <clears throat> the hell are you talking about? And stay out of strip joints. Your wife don't like you going in the strip joint. Here's the deal with strip joints. You ready? I've never been a strip joint guy. I'm not saying I've never been. I'm just saying I've never been. Uh, I've, been, I've never been strip joint guy. I've been. Fanny's on Broadway. As, as, you know, college guys, we used to run in there. I get it. Broadway and Gary, Indiana. Can you imagine what that place was like? But that was our spot. Status strip joints, two reasons. Number one, you're a dirtbag when you go in there. You feel dirty. You know you're wrong. Unless you're just so hammered, you don't know. They're frustrating for you because you get a little dance. and next thing you know, what are you doing? You're gross. You're just gross. And number three, the malacca will hook on to you. You got a good life going. You got a nice wife. You got a nice girlfriend. You got nice kids. 
The malaka will grab you and will pull you down. The devil is always looking for a way to yank you back when things are going good in particular. I'm just saying, it was a collective bitch slap, right? And Dylan, bam, it was on, it was on, uh, on uh, text. Like, what are you doing? <clears throat> yes, I've been to strip club. Yes, I don't go. But I will tell you this, about a month ago, no, not months, you know, about five years ago, there's a place here. Uh, we had a softball game. Everybody wanted to go celebrate a guy's birthday. I, I went. I sat away. It was actually a very comfortable place. I am a stripper repellent. This repels. Because I give off a vibe that, number one, don't bother me. Number two, I'm just here to have a beer. And number three, eh, eh. It's like I want to give them extra money and, and talk about their issues. I am a stripper repellent. Always have been, always will be, and I'm very proud of it. Man. Yeah, I don't care if you date porn stars. Just treat them nice. Just treat them nice. But at the end of the day, for the love of God, don't be the clown that walks around and don't freaking call her the wife. God. The wife. Hey, me and the wife. I always just tell guys, who's what, 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 not my wife. It's like when somebody says, well, dad and I go, well, who's dad? My dad? Your dad? What are you talking Just because of a jackass. You know what I mean? I'm going to help you. I am. I'm going to help you. There's going to be life lessons with Double D. Oh, yeah. Here's the other thing. Don't go to your kids' practices. When a coach said we could, don't go. Don't go. There's no reason to go to your kids' practice. Show up maybe a minute or two early, fine. But don't go sit there at your kids' practice and evaluate the coaching staff. Don't do that. Ever. I feel like my kids are self-sufficient, and I feel like one of the reasons is because I didn't go to their practices and sit there in my little chair and evaluate everything. Run, 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 run. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Run, go, 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 buddy, go, buddy. Shut up, shut up, shut up, buddy. Shut up, buddy, shut up. And don't stand up in your kid's game. First game my son ever played on the varsity, he was a freshman. He wasn't even playing. He was on the end of the bench. And I looked over, and here was this guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he was a big crap lawyer in Indianapolis in his suit. His son was a night great kids, great kids. He's standing up yelling at the officials. And I looked at my dad, who was sitting next to me, and I pointed over. I said, if I ever do that, stab me in the throat. He's like, if you ever do that, I'll stab you right in the ass. And I mean in the ass. Don't do that. Number one, you look like an idiot. Number two, what are you, you're embarrassing your kid. I mean, just stop with the crap. Why do you parents, I would love to hear, why do you parents feel the need to go to your son or daughter's practice? Go to all their games. Go to all their games. Shut the living hell up. Have a wonderful time. Shut the living hell up. Shut the living hell up. 
at the game and move on. It ain't that hard. But damn. Ball and chain. Well, you know, the missus and I, she's dragging me to the ballet. Somebody said to me one time when I was going to see Les Mis, well, that'll be three hours you'll never get back. I said, no, I think it'll be three hours I'll enjoy. Fell asleep two minutes in. Didn't give, I could not tell you what Les Mis was about. But I wasn't going to give some other jackass the satisfaction of bringing me to his jackassery. I've always thought this. In my life, I've always tried to stay above the stupid. Twitter has brought me back to the stupid. But I'm going on three weeks now where I'm not, never, and I never will engage with anybody on Twitter. I will write my little tweets. I will listen to all the stupid stuff coming back. But I will not engage. I will not give the power of some idiot my Twitter followers and you all should thank me, and you should thank me every single day. You should. Every day you should thank me for that. That's right. Now, you want to know what is or who is a great husband? His name is Scott Pollard. Look him up. Scotty P is one of those guys that was a great player at Kansas, was a Roy Williams guy, is all over your television. I mean, he's iconic on different shows, and he considers himself, which is what I love, he considers himself to be a jinx. A jinx. That's right, for Kansas. So Scotty Pollard is down down in Cancun with his lovely wife because Scott Pollard doesn't want to jinx his school. I think that's very, very cool. I think that's very cool. You got to know who you are. Scott, I'm going to talk to him about this. He already jumped on. He's excited. He jumped on about 10 minutes or an hour ago. And I'm like, dude, he goes, ah, tequila, tequila. But Scotty P has been on Survivor. He's been on Survivor Kong Kong, Survivor Cambodia. Cambodia. Uh, Scotty P is, he's been in the Axeman at Cutter's Creek, that movie. But look, Scotty P is one of the few guys, when you go to his Wikipedia page, it says hairstyles. Hair, Samurai Scott. <laughs> Let's just go right to him. I mean, look, there are very few people, when you go to their Wikipedia page, who have their own damn Wikipedia that says hairstyles. Are you Samurai Scott today? My Samurai Scott today? No, I'm bald guy today. Oh, you're bald yeah. guy? How's Cancun? It looks wonderful. Welcome it looks to the good. Club. Am I upside down? You're sideways. Right. You're this I'm, way. I'm all the, would it help if I do this? Oh, <laughs> oh baby. Technology. Oh, not, oh, yeah, you are bald guy today. There's too much handsome on this screen, big Man, boy. There's a lot of, too much a lot of good-looking bald right dudes here. right here. Now, don't don't get fooled. Hey, this is a I, green screen. I'm not really in Mexico. <laughs> what what is it? Is the drink of choice when you're in Mexico tequila? But you're Mormon. Is it is it <laughs> Sprite? What is it? I you know I, I was raised Mormon and I, I don't have a problem with that faith at all. It's wonderful people and it's most of my family. Uh, but I I didn't follow the religion. Um, if you could tell by the tattoos, Mormons don't believe in those. 
Um, but there's a whole lot of other things, but it's, it's a wonderful religion, but no, I, I, I drink alcohol on occasion and yes, in Mexico, really? I would say tequila. Yeah. I've just started getting into tequila at my old age and I got to tell you, I ain't mad about it. No, I'm a, I've become a fan. There's some good sipping stuff. And, and the cool thing about it is it's so much more natural than some of the other spirits out there. And it, it is, uh, if you get some good stuff that's aged, it's All right, good here- for you. Here's here's what I like about you. Here's here, you de- you decided, or maybe it was decided for you, that you are a jinx for the Kansas Jayhawks. So you're not, even though you are a massive Kansas fan, you keep up with it. We're going to get into what you see on the court, but you're a jinx. So you're not even in the country when they're playing for a national championship. Listen, in 2018, TNT was like, "Hey, come help us do a, a broadcast. We're doing the team cast thing." And it was Kansas Villanova, and we got absolutely smoked. We couldn't even be homers. Like, we were supposed to be. People were tweeting at me, like, you're such a homer. I was like, that's the point. It's team cast. But there was nothing. Even Rob Riggle, he was our our sideline reporter. And Rob Riggle couldn't make that embarrassing performance funny. If he can't make it funny, I got no shot. So uh, it it was brutal. (laughs) And uh, as soon as we got to to the final four and the, the next opponent was Villanova, I was like, I'm not going there. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not that superstitious, so, but I'm superstitious so enough, out, I guess. You went out. Of, yeah, you try to tell me you're not superstitious, but what you're doing is the definition of superstition. I'm aware. There's a little hypocrisy in me. <laughs> hey, what did you think the other night? Pretty good performance. A little bit better than the last yeah, time. Yeah, definitely better than the last time. Um, you know, they were missing one of their stars, but you never know how that's going to play out. It could be the wounded animal is the most dangerous, and so... I'm glad Kansas came in with the focus and with the attention of, hey, whoever they've got, we've got to play our best game. And, and uh, they did. They played a great game. Uh, I heard you and, and Doug talking a little bit uh, about the seniors. And, man, you know, as inconsistent as they've been, and we can go into more of that, but they, they were monsters. They were monsters. Both Ochai and, and Mac were, were great uh, in that game and, and really were the reason we, we got such a good uh, uh, result. You taught me something the other day. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really watch. I watched Kansas enough, but not that much. But you said the inconsistency of the seniors, and you actually were talking about McCormick. Obviously, you're a big guy. He's a big guy. You, you pay attention. So I started watching him. Hey, I got to tell you, Scott, I know he didn't get back out to a shooter a few times, but damn, was he, you, you mentioned positioning. And I'd like your take on this. I thought he played a masterful defensive game inside out now okay maybe you didn't get to this left-handed shooter kid but what were your thoughts on McCormick defensively he's he's been frustrating to watch all four years and again you said it I'm a big guy so I'm particularly harsh on big guys I, I don't go off on guards like I do on big guys so uh, I'm particularly mean uh, or or brutally frank I guess uh, to, towards a big guy more than I would be on a guard but you know he's he's one of the all-time greats at being out of position and, and finding himself in bad positions and, and not getting that rebound because he didn't box out or he, he's, he's boxing on a little guy who's, who's able to take his legs out and he doesn't figure out a way to mollify that with a teacher. And, um, you know, so the, the question is, your question was, how great was he on defense? He was great. He, and and he, was, he was the best version of himself in the last game and also in the Miami game. He only played, what, 16 minutes, 12, 16 minutes or something in the Miami game because we didn't need him to play any longer because we had them handled in the second half, and we went, they went small, we went small, 
uh, and and so David wasn't needed. Uh, but man, um, you know, when he's good, he's he's incredibly good. He's very talented. He's got a lot of natural gifts: the length, the height, the speed. Um, you know, he he can dunk. Uh, he chooses not to, I guess, on occasion. But um, you know, <laughs> he, he he's got a lot of tools, and that's where I I go, man. I wish that he would have developed quicker as a freshman and a sophomore. And he was behind big Doke, uh, who doesn't have all those gifts, who can't shoot, can't pass, can't dribble, uh, but he can dunk, um, you know? And so when, when you see a kid that comes behind Doke so, that was so dominant, you're like, Oh man, this kid is way more talented. He's got more gifts. You're I, my expectations were really high on him. Has he had a great career? Absolutely. He's been a wonderful big man for the Kansas Jayhawks. They're in a national championship game tonight, a large result because of him. Uh, and so ha- has he been great? Yeah, absolutely. He's been a great uh, player for the Kansas Jayhawks program, and I'm really proud uh, of the legacy. I want to talk about that. Uh, Roy Williams coached you. Roy Williams coached North Carolina. Uh, what makes Roy Williams so special? It, you know, it, <laughs> for me, it, I needed a father figure at that time in my life. My dad passed away while I was getting recruited. Uh, at 16 years old, and, and I got a lot of attention. We talked about it the other day with, with Bobby Knight, but, um, you know, we, I, we, we hit it off. You know, his, his style, uh, being in North Carolina with that drawl, he had some of the same sayings my dad had from Montana, um, and uh, it, it, he was somebody I needed in my life, and I made him promise me he was going to be there the whole four years because all my siblings, I'm the youngest of six, all of them got recruited to play Division One basketball. All of them did, except my sister, who decided she just didn't want to play, even though she got recruited for two sports. Um, but all four of my brothers went, and all four of them, their coach got fired or quit or left during their tenure, and then all of a sudden the new coach comes in and is like, I didn't recruit you, I don't want you. And so having seen that, I knew that I didn't want to go to a place that I thought maybe would be a good fit, but the coach might not be there. So I made Coach Williams promise me he was going to be there. He promised me. Um, I heard through the grapevine that that kind of started a trend. And Nick Collison and Kirk Heinrich were the last players that he promised he was going to be there because, you know, North Carolina was calling. Home was calling. Uh, so, um, you know, while I was mad at Roy for leaving, uh, we made up. And uh, he's still a big part of my life. And, and we don't talk all that often. But, man, he, he's just a great human being. And, and I know I'll answer the next question because the follow-up is going to be, what, who's he rooting for? <laughs> and I'll tell you. Not really. He's, well, I'm just saying, he's a North Carolina guy. I know he wants North Carolina to win. It's That's home. That's, you know, that's where he always wanted to be. Uh, but I know he won't cry too many tears if Kansas wins tonight. I, I actually wanted to go this route with you, uh, Scott. Did you, you guys are smart. You, you know. Did, did you, when you were playing for him at Kansas, was there ever a time when you felt like this guy is a North Carolina guy? You know what I mean by that? I, like, Oh yeah, you guys were so successful. I met. I, oh, go ahead. No, he he absolutely. He talked about North Carolina. Dean Smith, Michael Jordan, uh, James Worthy. You know all the guys that he he coached and coached with. Uh, he talked about it all the time. Uh, but I always like to throw in the nugget that Dean Smith was a Jayhawk. Dean Smith was on the 1952 Kansas National Championship team. Did he play? No, no. But he was on the team. And so North Carolina basketball started in Kansas. Uh, and so we we feel like there's that connection there, and it's cool. And, yes, Roy talked about being a Tar Heel all the time. He talked about Asheville, North Carolina all the time. 
Um, and he, that, that was home and we always knew it. And that's where that, there was that, uh, you know, hesitance on my part to commit to him, uh, having had my life experience and my brother's experience. Uh, and, and so I didn't want him to, to bolt on me. And, and a lot of players felt that we always felt that because he did talk about that. Um, and we knew eventually it would happen, but we just wanted him to be the Dean Smith of Kansas. We didn't want him to go back to Kansas or North Carolina uh, and, and go be the next Dean Smith. We wanted him to be the Dean Smith of, of Kansas. And uh, you know what? For being the, the seventh head coach in the history of Kansas basketball, he did a pretty daggone good job. He did. And that was a horse bleep imitation. But I'll give you credit for trying. <laughs> let me let me let me go this route. <laughs> let me go this route, Scott. Um, you guys all have a lot of pride. You know, North Carolina, a lot of pride. And when I see Roy and I see Dean, I got to know Coach Smith. I got I, I know Matt Doherty. I, I got to know Coach, Coach Guthridge. Um, I imagine it was the same at Kansas. It, it seems to me that Kansas or the Dean Smith family, Roy Williams at Kansas included, Dean Smith at Kansas. They make it about the players. It doesn't seem like it's ever really about the coach. Is that is that a sense of you players from Kansas with Roy Williams? Absolutely. He he always said, it, I'm a really good coach because of the guys I coach. And and that's a testament to him, him being a great recruiter, being a great person, being a man of his word, uh, all the things that make him a good human being. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when, when you constantly focus on the talent, uh, then the talent's going to work harder for you. You know, we're, we're young kids, and he's molding us into human beings. We're, we're young kids. He's, he recruited Paul Pierce, got to campus at 15 years old, turned 16 his freshman year. Um, you know, we're, we're kids, and he's getting us, uh, you know, at a young age and an age that, that uh, you know, if you don't tell players that they're the most important thing, some of them will bolt on you, and, and you see it. You see it everywhere in college basketball now, especially because the transfer portal. Uh, the rules have changed. You know, that's wonderful. I think it's great. Uh, but I also think it puts more pressure on coaches. Then they try to make it about them. Uh, you're not going to have as much success. And so I think that's a that's a mindset that Dean Smith instilled into Roy Williams, uh, which is ma what makes, I think, North Carolina and Kansas basketball different than a lot of other programs. Because, uh, you know, we saw a guy lose on, on Saturday that, I'm sorry, you still made it about him. You know, and he tries to talk about the players and he tries to talk about this and that, but Man, that dude has black hair, and he's 75 years old. Come on. It, it's not about you. It's about the players. And he had a great run. I'm not trying to disrespect Coach K. Uh, he was a great coach. Uh, not my flavor, obviously. But, um, you know, I love the way Dean Smith approaches his players. I love the mentality that Roy Williams approached his players with and made it about them. He retired last year, and his, his uh, victory lap has been – so perfect for him he's been able to watch his kids that he recruited and he made it about them get to a national championship game and beat duke twice very convincingly in very very big games i think that roy is really happy right now and, and i think i saw a quote this week where he said it's even more stressful as a fan uh because you know i, I know roy i know he wanted to jump into that huddle and say this is what we gotta do damn it but you know, he, he's a fan now and, and as a control freak, which he is, you, you you can't jump in as a fan. You cannot. And that's exactly why I can't be a coach because I'm the same way. I sit there and I try to disconnect myself and just be a fan. And every once in a while, I want to go grab McCormick and say, stand here, box this guy out, elbow this guy, you know, it, because you, you want to. And, and that's why I wouldn't make a good coach. <laughs> 
What, what do you think happens tonight? What does Kansas have to do to win this game? We have to make Manic remember what it was like in Oklahoma because we know him. We know, he knows us from when he was in Oklahoma before North Carolina. We have to make him lose his confidence and go back to the Oklahoma days because he's absolutely playing, I, I think, the best basketball maybe of anybody in the country right now. The kid is just on fire. He's hitting big shots. Uh, he, he's carried them more often than not throughout the tournament. I haven't seen every single one of their games, but the ones I've watched, my God, that kid has been awesome. And so we've got to slow him down. Uh, obviously, they fell apart when he got ejected, and that was a terrible call on that elbow, um, and he got ejected, and they fell apart. And, and, and so I don't want that to happen. I want to beat North Carolina at full strength. Uh, but if we can contain him and slow them down, because as a team, they are all playing incredible basketball. They are on fire right now. And unfortunately, it reminds me of my senior year when we were the best team in the country and Arizona came along playing on fire basketball and we caught them uh, game four of their six game streak, uh, which got them national championship. And, and we couldn't keep up with them. They couldn't miss. They were on fire. We hadn't expect we didn't expect that because they didn't play that way all year long. North Carolina, I'm not saying they underachieved all year. They played good basketball this, during the year, but, man, they are on fire. They are a hot, hot program right now, and that's what scares me, and that's why I'm saying we've got to figure out a way to make Brady Manick lose his confidence and go back to, you know, have some bad memories of Kansas and losing in Allen Fieldhouse or whatever uh, to help try to slow that kid down because it's. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Kansas is playing great basketball. I think North Carolina is the hottest team in basketball right now, and um, it's so – I'm nervous. I, I think Kansas is going to win because I think we're a better team. Uh, but, man, I, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I got chills already, and I, it's hot out here. It's 85 degrees in my green screen room. <laughs> Baycott and McCormick, what do you see? Uh, you know, I heard the kid, uh, Baycott, rolled his ankle or so. Um, again, you know, Villanova's star was out, and we caught a break there. Uh, but... Uh, Max inconsistency is frustrating. Uh, he doesn't tend to do well <laughs> against big guys. He tends to do better against a smaller lineup when there's not somebody challenging him and bodying him. Um, but then again, there's times where a little guy gets in there and gets his legs and he, and he doesn't manage that very well. So, you know, it just depends on what his mentality is. I really think that Mac is a great player and he shows flashes of brilliance. Uh, and I think he can, can win that matchup versus Baycott. Uh, but it just depends on which which Mac shows up, and it, and the good thing about it is we have old reliable Doctor Lightfoot that's been at Kansas for 15 years, um, and it, you know if Mac isn't playing well, Lightfoot will come in and hold his own. Lightfoot will come in and and be a great role player. He'll facilitate things. He'll tip out baskets. He'll block a shot here and there. He'll get rebounds, and he'll be a facilitator uh, on on offense as well, and get the ball to the right person and set good screens. So. Uh, you know, I don't feel like there's so much pressure on Mac other than it being a national championship uh, because we have the depth to adjust. And if he ends up playing great for 12 minutes, great. That's awesome. That's all we need. We'll get somebody else in there and we'll go small if we have to or whatever. Uh, but if he happens to play great and doesn't get into foul trouble and he's making his free throws, which he does a great job, he's a great free throw shooter. Uh, you know, I love it. I love it when he's aggressive and he gets to the line. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love it if he would finish those, those, the basket first uh, more often. Uh, but again, just being hard on him, I'm nitpicking him, uh, but I, I'm a big fan and, uh, I, I like our chances. 
How about your guy Christian Braun just firing two in at late? How see that's what you Scott. You, that's what you're supposed to do at Kansas. You know what I mean? Like it's your time, man. And Braun hit the tough one, and then he came back and hit the other one. I. I feel like that's how you win a national championship with all of a sudden a guy like that doing that in such a big moment. But I feel like when you put on Kansas or North Carolina or Duke, I used to say Indiana. I don't necessarily believe that anymore. It's been too long. But that's what you're supposed to do at those blue blood schools. No? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that again, that's the flip side of the inconsistency of this team is the amount of weapons we have. It's not the deepest team that we've ever had, but we've got eight or nine guys that can kill you. Focus too much on Ochai and Mac. And Brown is going to is going to knock it down. Uh, focus on our starters, and you got Remy coming off the bench, and that kid has just been awesome. Now he's a graduated senior, also he's got maturity, he's got experience, and he is not scared. And I love the way he plays basketball. Um, so we have a lot of weapons, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. When when you go to Kansas, there's an expectation, and we've lost players in the last five to seven to ten years for the, that came in as as player of the year in Kansas or or highly recruited kid. And all of a sudden they get to Kansas and they're not good enough. They don't have the mental capacity to know I've got to hit shots when the game is on the line. This is a big time program. It's not for everyone. And I, that's not a, that's not a, a, a detractor. That's not me saying, Hey, we're so good. You need to be this way. But what, what, what it is, is if you can't handle the pressure, go to a program that fits your, pre, your pressure level better. Go to a place like Oklahoma, go to a place like Texas, go to a place like, uh, that's not a blue blood, you know, where you're, you can go in and develop that attitude and that ability. But when you come to a Kansas, you come to a North Carolina, Duke, you have to be ready that the ball might end up in your hands with the game on the line, and you got to shoot that thing. And you got to shoot it with confidence. You can't just throw it up there and pray and pray you get fouled. That's not how it works. you you got to be ready to hit that big shot at Kansas. Uh, and and we have a lot of guys that are. We have a lot of guys that are ready. Uh, that that will I, I I honestly believe we have four or five players on this Kansas team that if the ball is in their hands at the end of the game I like our chances. I agree. You know I was talking to Doug Gottlieb about that. He left Notre Dame, which is a good basketball school, but he went to a place where it's really passionate. Oklahoma State. Yeah. I played at Indiana, where every loss was met with death. You played at Kansas, where every it's just a, it's just a different expectation when it's a basketball school as opposed to what you're saying, right? I mean, it's, it just is, and that's what you sign up for. It is, and you have to be ready for it, and not everybody is. And, again, young minds, impressionable minds, they think, I'm the best, I'm the best, because they are. They didn't get recruited to Kansas because they're the worst. They get recruited to Kansas or North Carolina. Oklahoma State, great basketball tradition, better football school. But I remember Doug in college, and, and yeah, I mean, the expectation is different. You, you're not expected to hit shots on a big stage when you're going to a smaller school or, or a lesser well-known basketball school any more than you go to Texas. And if you don't catch that touchdown pass, you, you might get some death threats, you know? And so it, it makes sense. Uh, there's football schools, there's basketball schools. And I, you know what? I, I'm a Hoosier now. I live in Indiana. I hope Indiana gets back. I, I like the way things look right now. Uh, I would love to see Indiana be in a blue blood again. Uh, but it, I agree with you. It's been a long time, but yeah, I, 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 Love the idea or, or the fact that when you sign up for Kansas, you have to have a certain mentality. And it's the mentality of being confident enough uh, to know that if the ball's in your hand, you got to be able to shoot that thing uh, or make a play. And, and if you're not, that's okay. Find a better program that fits you. Right. 
All right, last thing before I let you go. Like, you are internationally known, so it's all velvet ropes. I get it. It's all paparazzi and velvet ropes in Cancun. What, what are we doing today? Because when you walk in somewhere, you and your lovely wife, when you walk in, heads are snapping. So what, what's on the docket today as we get ready for a – was it central time down there, 8.30 tip or whatever it is? What, what are we doing today? It's central time. Give me the day, You know, Scott. today we're going to we, – we already – my wife already went down, the lovely Mrs. Fox. Went down to the beach and scoped us out a spot and hit us a spot down there underneath a thatched roof. Uh, so we're going to go down and hang out on the beach. We're going to um, enjoy a couple beverages, maybe some of the, the adult kind. And uh, but we want to make sure that we're awake for that game tonight because, yeah, it's going to be a big one. We've we've taken a few pictures here uh, at the at the place we're staying at, and and uh, you know, uh, I have security. I have a full team. I have forty people guarding me at all times. <laughs> Uh, because I need it, because yeah. I clearly need it. I mean, I can't go anywhere. Yeah. It, it's really ridiculous. We landed at the airport in no. Cancun, and there was thousands of cameras, thousands of cameras. It was like the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, there were just cameras everywhere. Scott Pollard's in Cancun, you know, because that's how big of a superstar I am. But back to reality, we've I know. <laughs> we've been, we've, been uh, we've had a lot of fun here, and uh, we have a few more days left. We're, we're not leaving. Uh, until Saturday. I think we're staying until Saturday. So we're, we're happy to be here, and we're going to just spend the day on the beach uh, and eat, nap, and then catch that Jayhawk game. There's a sports bar here at the place we're staying at. We watched the Saturday game in there uh, with a couple other Jayhawk fans, and a couple of them are still here. Uh, so I'm sure there's going to be a few Jayhawks in the bar tonight watching, uh, uh, watching us hopefully beat those Star Heels. So I get it. Hey, man, drink, take a nap. You know, you're all good. But here's because you have proven yourself to not be superstitious. Will you go to the same bar? The answer is obviously yes. Will you sit in the same seat? Will you try to get the same seat that you had for the semifinal? Uh, no, but it, it, it wouldn't be difficult if I do happen to because there, we were, I think, the only people in the bar the first for the first game. And then for the <laughs> okay. second game, there was a couple other people that showed up. Um, but yeah, we're, I think we'll have a good chance. I am going to wear the same shirt, but you're not superstitious. Well, it just happens to be the same shirt and I didn't bring another Jayhawk shirt. So (laughs) that's all. That was just a lack of opportunity. Really? I just, I I underpacked Kansas here. I am wearing my Kansas basketball shorts that were from a team I didn't play on. Um, but I'm not wearing those all day because they're not swim trunks. I got swim trunks to get, to get into because we're going to get wet. Give me the score. What's the score tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> it, it really I, – I hate to say it, but I think it depends on Manic. If that kid goes off, it's going to be in the 90s because we're going to have to keep up with him. Um, but Bill Self, he's going to do a great job of getting these guys to play defense. So, I'd say 79-75 Jayhawks. All right, my friend. Have a great time. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon, buddy. You're the best. Yes, sir. That's Scott Pollard down in Cancun. Uh, hey, I I think it I think it's interesting for Kansas guys, right? That knew Roy Williams was always a North Carolina guy, but man, there's such pride in the program, and there's such a deflection. All right, before I let you go, we only got a few minutes here. Get your pens and papers. Get your pens and papers because this is what's going to happen tonight. The road. To $5,000 ends tonight, all right? I am currently at $4,400. All 
I basically was stuck in neutral. I lost a little bit on Saturday because I did take Duke in a bunch of parlays. However, I'm actually 40. I'll tell you exactly where I'm at. Uh, where is this? Get this thing out of here. 44. Oh, no, no, no. 44.90. That's where I'm at. So I'm about $4,500. So that is what I, what to start the tournament, I put $200 in. It got to $750. I took the two, $250. I took $250 back out. So everything now is profit. We've made $4,400 on this. I am going to take the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm not in love with this bet. I'm going to take the Kansas Jayhawks minus four. I think that fact that Baycott is a little banged up. I'm going to take him minus four, and I'm going back to the bet that we had the other day. I'm not in love with it, but I think Brady Manick over now it's six and a half rebounds is something that I got to look at. It is. Uh, Manick over six and a half rebounds. I am taking that. I wish it were five and a half, but it's six and a half. Now, he had four. Uh, in the previous game and didn't even try to rebound. Seven and a half in the rebound number for McCormick. I, I don't know. Eight and a half is Jalen Wilson. I'm not going. I'm going to stick with my bet. I'm going to stick with Brady Manick. I think he's going to get some rebounds in this game because, frankly, I think he's going to have to. I think it's going to be a high-possession game. I think Manick is going to have to rebound. I don't think it's going to be as easy for Baycott, particularly with the foul trouble of Williams and Johns in the Duke game. I don't think it's going to be as easy for Baycott to just go get 21 rebounds. I think Manick is going to have to rebound. And if I were taking an over-under, I'd take Caleb Love over 17 and a half. When I did a video for OutKick and I did a video for our other station, I told you if Caleb Love scores over 17, then Kansas, excuse me, then North Carolina is going to win. I feel the same way tonight, but I think he's going to have to get to 20. I think if Caleb Love gets to 20, Kansas loses. North Carolina wins. Now, why do I say that? Because I think Caleb Love shot making is a massive enhancer for freaking North Carolina. I do. I mean, I know other guys make shots, but I see a different energy when Caleb Love gets going. And if Caleb Love gets going, 20 is not easy in a national championship game. We throw away 20 like we're standing on our head. 20 ain't easy. If he gets 20, I think Kansas loses and I think North Carolina wins. If he gets under 20, I like Kansas's chances. I like Kansas's chances either way, but 20 is a lot. He's going to have to shoot well because they're going to be up into him. I think you're going to see Harris and Remy Martin and Obaji, all those quickness, all those quick guys. They're going to be up into him. I don't think North, or excuse me, I don't think Duke quite had the same quickness on Caleb Love. We'll see. He's been dynamite, man. You can make the argument Caleb Love been the Player of the Year. So I'm going to take Kansas minus four. I don't love it. If it goes to four and a half, I'm going to bet. I'm not going any more than four. I think Brady Manick gets six rebounds or over six and a half. And I think Caleb Love over 17 and a half points. The over-under is interesting. I'm going to do an over-under bet when I see how the game is played. I did it the other day, day, excuse me, in game and I hit it. So we'll see. But I'm going to go with Kansas tonight. I may make just a straight money line bet as well. This is going to be a great night. It really is. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Doug and uh, Scott Pollard. I thought both guys were energetic, uh, informative. I thought it was a lot of fun. Make sure you tell your friends. Don't be afraid to retweet before our show that uh, we are having a show. Today on my show, we're going to get into this. We're going to get into the Final Four, the championship game. Uh, Indiana had a player arrested. I'll get into that. I'll give you some bets. 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly who we have on, but I do know this. My niece, Tori Dockage, who knows literally nothing about sports and doesn't care, won our family pool, so she is joining the show. Ryan, uh, Corey, and, of course, the great Dylan. Thanks, everybody. I will talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate you watching. Enjoy the national championship tonight. Dockage out.